The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Bumper sticker of the day. Strong is the new skinny. I'll buy that. I'm Victoria Moran, your host for the Main Street Vegan Show. If we're meeting for the first time, that is my distinct pleasure. If there's anything I can do to make this program better meet your needs, just be in touch. Let me know. You can learn more about Main Street Vegan. We have a training academy a cruise coming up in February of 2015. We're going to put some life into the dead of winter. We have a family feature film, Miss Liberty, who happens to be a cow, that we hope will be in production within the year. And you can learn about all that at MainStreetVegan.net. And while you're out there on the great big web, please check out this radio network as well. Unity Online Radio is the gracious host for our program. They are fully nonprofit and appreciate donations of any size to further their good work in the world. So you can go to UnityOnlineRadio.org and see what's going on over there. Today on the program, both of our entree guests come from Australia. Isn't that cool? It wasn't planned, but veganism has become so worldwide. It's very exciting to know that we have a couple of people from a whole other hemisphere, but we're going to start here in the appetizer portion of the show with somebody who's a Midwesterner like me, and she is recipe creator and cookbook author Robin Asbell, hailing from marvelous Minneapolis, Minnesota. She's been a personal chef since the 1990s, and her cookbooks include Big Vegan and Sweet and Easy Vegan, but her latest book has no cooking in it, just juicy, licious recipes, and it is called Juice It. Robin, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. I love your new little book. I just love it, and I've been juicing from it. Now, we've met a couple of times. You were gracious enough to let me use your scrumptious pot pie recipe, yum, 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 in Main Street Vegan, but I didn't realize that you were into juicing. How did that come about? Gosh. Well, you know, I feel like I've kind of been there at the, at, for a front seat of the the revolution because, you know, 20 years ago, I was, you know, working in a co-op where everybody came in to buy 50-pound bags of carrots to juice. And I got my champion juicer back then, and I juiced carrots, and that was what we did. And then I've watched over the years, actually, I had a, a period where people were hiring me who were very ill when I was a private chef, especially people who had cancer were hiring me, and they all came with plans that involved juice. So there was that was sort of a chapter when that was all 
um, it was always being prescribed to them by various practitioners. And then more recently, I'm seeing juice evolve into something much more vibrant, you know, and lots more green juice and much more fun juicing. And it seems to really be taking the world by storm. Yeah, it, it does indeed. We had Joe Cross on uh, two weeks ago, I think two or three weeks ago, because he's big on the whole reboot and doing, you know, several days of juice. Now, I get a sense from your new book, Juice It, that you see this a lot more as just part of the diet rather than going off and just drinking juice by itself for a period of time. Yes, I mean, you certainly can do that, but I think. Um, you know, especially when I've been out touring with the book, I think people have this conception that juicing is this, you know, this regimen where, you know, you have to do a juice fast or you have to juice every single day. And I think, well, the, you know, it's just, it's a way to eat more plants. You know, it's a way to eat more vegetables, which nobody does. And so on any level that I can get people interested in doing that, then that is great. Well, and I think you're doing it. The book is absolutely beautiful. Every now and then, as much as I love radio, because radio gives you enough time to talk, it's such a great medium, but sometimes I wish we were TV, <laughs> especially when a book is just really gorgeous and has beautiful photographs. I want to be able to hold it up. So so your book is very appealing. It's very culinary. I can see you doing things with it in, in kitchen stores, which you're probably doing. You mentioned earlier carrot juice, and now people are saying, oh, that's too sweet. You shouldn't drink that, even though there are people walking around who got over cancer and other diseases 50 years ago drinking carrot juice. So where do you come down on the carrot juice, fruit juice, sugar thing? I know. It seems like it's the next thing that they're going to be freaking out about, is doesn't it? I mean, this thing came out about sugar, and... As usual, we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater instead of just saying, you know, give up the white sugar and the white flour, then people are going to start, you know, ferreting out even things like carrots and fruit from their diet, and I think that is really wrong. So I think, you know, carrot juice as part of a balanced diet is a perfectly wonderful thing, especially if you're not drinking soda and, you know, eating lots of treats, it's perfectly fine to have some, and especially to add it to blends, you know, is I like to use an underlying sweet flavor like carrot or apple or even cucumber to balance my green juices or balance some stronger flavors. Yeah, I'm to the point now where I only need some lemon in with the greens, but there was a time when I needed two apples and then I evolved to one apple. So your tastes change. It's kind of an evolution. And then some of your really fun ones, I just make exactly with what you say to put in them because they're so good. Tell us a couple of your favorites. Well, gosh, I'm really, well, I really love the, for just for fun, is there's a superfruit sangria in there that is... uh, grapes and oranges and blood oranges and it just reminds me and raspberries you know it reminds me of spain you know and if you were to put a little wine in it it would be okay and i really like uh the chipotle mary which that one is a savory juice with tomato celery pepper and chipotle peppers for a little spice but i'm also very fond of i love my green lemonade you know which is Cucumber, apple, spinach, and lemon, and I drink that very often, and I find that one, you know, very popular when I'm out making stuff for people, and I also often make, I make the carrot kale bonus round, and that's one where I save my kale stems all week and juice them with carrots and some other veggies, and that way I get every bit of value out of that kale. That is a really good idea. I know you can also use broccoli stems and some other things that you'd ordinarily throw away because lots of times people look at all the pulp that comes out of the juicer and they say, oh my goodness, what a waste. But it's also a way to use produce that would otherwise be tossed into the compost. Absolutely. And I save uh, parsley stems and herb stems and a lot of things like that for my juice. And I've got some recipes up on my website, actually, for some uh, bars and a burger made with the pulp. There's a beet pulp and walnut burger up on my um, blog this week that I just love. Oh, that's amazing. And you're such an energetic blogger. You can go to Robin Asbell, R-O-B-I-N-A-S-B-E-L-L. Dot com, And you've got recipes there, Robin, your blog, all kinds of events. 
you're a very active social media person. I try. <laughs> <laughs> we all try. When you were talking about doing this 20 years ago and then being an active social media person too, that means that you have experience and up to the minuteness. How could you beat that? It must be from drinking all that juice. You know, that it really does help, honestly. You know, it does. And, and I love your green juice, too. I know we were doing a little promotion a few weeks ago, and some of your friends did some, some blogging about the book, and you asked each of us to take a particular juice to share, and I was so happy that mine was the green one, because I always like those. So thank you for knowing me well. <laughs> well I think I saw you drink one once. Aha! You know, the one I'm getting into lately, because I don't really care for the flavor, but I'm trying to learn to like it, are juices with beet, because I have just learned that they've done actual studies showing that beet juice is good for athletic performance. So I don't know what kind of athletic performance I'm going to do, but I'm going to look up what you've got that have beets in them and make a couple and see if I can leap tall buildings in a single bound. Yes. Well, yeah, I've got a blog up about that and a beet juice on there because, yeah, the Olympic athletes were juicing last time around because it can actually shave time off for people who, you know, when it's down to seconds for people like that, if they can um, do a little faster and go a little further, they will. That's so cool. Drink your beets, beat the competition. I had to do that. Thank you, Robin. RobinAsbell.com. The book is Juice It. Thanks so much. And we'll be back right after these messages. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. We know that God is the source of our prosperity, but how do we manifest it in our lives? We simply change our limiting patterns around money, relationships, and health. Then, naturally, our vitality goes up, and so does our cash flow. We start to live with purpose, sharing our unique ability. Join us on Prosperity Power Hour every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Time to claim your divine inheritance. Prosperity for all, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're 
You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. I am your host, Victoria Moran, and so happy to be here with my first full-length guest, and that is Paul Rodney Turner. Turner. Hmm. Sorry, I didn't quite get that, and it's not even a hard one. Paul Rodney Turner is the International Director of Food for Life and the founder of Food for Life Global. This is a hunger relief organization. He spent 14 years as a monk studying the ancient Vedic teachings and becoming an accomplished vegetarian cook. Over the last 30 years, Paul has traveled to more than 65 countries, including three war zones, helping set up new Food for Life projects and train volunteers. His new personal brand, a little something different, is Soul Yantra, creating a unique geometric signature for a person's name and birthday. I have one of those, not to make you jealous, just to let you know. His books (laughs) include Food Yoga, Nourishing the Soul, and two books on billiards. See, we are well-rounded, including The Yoga of Pool. You know, Paul, we've had on the show a pro wrestler, an arm wrestler, a drag queen, and a 12-year-old radio host, but you are our first pool player, which is probably why I saw a T-shirt today that said, all things come to those who hustle. Welcome, Paul Rodney Turner. Thank you very much, Victoria. Yeah, it's very unique. I'm a vegan pool player. Well, it's so cool. I think that we need to look out there in the world and all the things that are stereotypically un-vegan, but that are perfectly compassionate and healthy, I think we all need to get into so that we are truly everywhere. Well, yeah, what I found in my life is I've always tried to share, you know, what what message I have, what realizations I have through different uh, audiences and different situations as best as I can. And one of them was pool. I was a fanatical pool player and I thought well why not share some wisdom within the context of pool so I wrote a book called the yoga of pool it's like isn't there the the zen of motorcycle maintenance exactly it's it's important to connect everything if we are indeed connected as I think you and I would say we definitely are so I don't talk to a lot of former monks what was that like for all those years well, you know, the, the best comparison would be to say, imagine what it's like to be a Marine <laughs> because it's, uh, you know, we live very simply. I slept on the floor, never had a pillow. Um, I, all my, uh, everything I owned could be put in one little suitcase and I had cold showers. I'd, write, I'd get up in the morning around 3.30 and a very busy day um, teaching and working uh, in the temple or in the, on the farm. And then going to bed around 9, 30, 10 o'clock, no clubbing, no girlfriends, no alcohol, celibate, the whole thing. So it was very austere but uh, very enjoyable at the same time. I, I, it, was, it enabled me to really go deep and find myself and to learn a lot more about life than uh, what we tend to learn in schools. And what did you learn the most? Well, the most important message I got from that experience was that I'm more than a body, that, you know, this body really just is uh, a vehicle that we can express ourselves through. Um, It's a blessing to have a human form. But, you know, essentially we are souls. We are the witness. And one of the examples I give to people that I teach, my my students, I say, look, imagine you're standing on on top of a building and um, your mind may jump, but your intelligence will kick in and say, no, hang on a minute. You've got responsibilities. You can't jump. So the role of the mind is to be creative. The role of the intelligence is to discriminate, to make decisions, and it's constantly making decisions. But there's another there's another thing there, and that is the soul. And the soul is witnessing both of those functions. That's you. You are the witness. And so that soul is something that we need to get in touch with. And there are various ways to do that. There are many religious paths, many spiritual disciplines. And one of the things I'm teaching now is called food yoga, and that is a way to actually nourish and get in connection with the soul through food. And Food Yoga is an excellent book. 
That is one that I always recommend to my Main Street Vegan Academy students, especially those who who do yoga, but lots of people do yoga and don't really learn a lot about yoga. So I love it that your book is out there. Now, tell us about Food for Life. What What is that and what do you guys do? Well, Food for Life started back in the 70s when uh, a Swami called Swami Prabhupada, he saw some children fighting with dogs over scraps of food. And he thought to himself, this should not happen. Wherever there's a temple, children should not be hungry. They should not be fighting with dogs for food. So he called his students and he says, look, I want to make sure that within 10 miles of this temple, no one should go hungry. I want you to start a food relief program. So that was back in 74. And back then in the 70s, the program sort of organically developed, um, but it wasn't until around 1980 that it sort of developed, um, become more of a formal entity. And we we got branded as Food for Life um, and it started to spread throughout America and Europe. I got involved as a volunteer around 83, so I was one of the early volunteers and I learned how to cook. I learned how to cook for, you know, large quantities of food. And what I learned from this whole experience was that this act of sharing food is a very ancient, It's first of all, it's, it's part of every culture, the idea of sharing food with friends and family. But in India, there's this hospitality culture, which is based on a spiritual understanding that we're all spiritually equal. And so the way to express that understanding is by sharing food. So in India, if you knock on someone's door and you're, a, you're an uninvited guest, so you, you don't even know the person, it's culturally uh, correct in India to invite you into the home and feed you. Not to turn you away, but actually to invite you in the home, sit you down and actually offer you a f- complete meal. So this idea of spiritual hospitality based on the understanding that we're all spiritually equal is a very important part of Food for Life's um, whole founding because essentially we're not really a food relief. We're an organisation um, designed to create unity and peace in the world by sharing food. And we do that by teaching people this idea that we're all brothers and sisters. And and that, we believe, is one of the solutions, probably the best solution for um, solving world hunger because there's so much food in the world today, but people are lacking food because it's not being shared. Well, I want to ask you about world hunger. When I first became vegetarian and, and vegan, it was a big deal because of Francis Morelepe's Diet for a Small Planet, uh, Dick Gregory and other activists were really talking about the connection between what we choose to eat in the rich countries and how much grain was going to farmed animals and world hunger. And now I'm just not hearing it anywhere in the vegetarian movement. What happened? I yeah, wish we funny. could say it's because it went away, but it hasn't. Yeah, it's funny, actually. And I noticed that too. And uh, it's one of the things I touch on in food yoga is that there's this big explosion of um, you know, eating right and there's a big raw food movement and we can see that veganism is becoming really popular. Apparently, veganism is picking up. It's growing faster now in Australia than in any other country. Um, you can check on that, but I, I believe that's true, that veganism is really expanding in Australia. And that's it interesting be true because, because I have two Australian guests in one show. How did that <laughs> Yeah, I know. And Australia, you know, a classic meat-eating country. But, you know, so there's this explosion of, like, eating healthy, this fitness movement, health movement, but no one's really talking about, um, you know, food's spiritual role and and how food is actually such an important part of solving, really, all-world problems because when you think about it, every culture – that we think of, um, the centre of every culture is food. I mean, if you think of, say, for example, Italy, immediately you think of pizzas. If you think of, um, you know, the China, you think of noodles or something like that. So there's always food and music and dance is the central part of every culture. So food has this power to create unity. It speaks all languages. And that sort of message is being lost somehow or other. And the focus these days is all about nutrition and all the vitamins and minerals and the superfoods and this sort of stuff. And people are missing the important spiritual role that food food has to play in our life. And that is the idea of connecting with each other as brothers and sisters and also as a way of um, providing us an opportunity to have gratitude for the creator, for God. 
for those on the spiritual path to understand that food really is a blessing. You know, we can't create food. We can manipulate it. We can we can mix things and, and create things, but we can't actually create the the elements that make up food. We can't create in one blade of grass. So having gratitude is an important part of that spiritual uh, awakening. And uh, the most practical way to do that is is by, you know, using food, to have gratitude through food. So is this food yoga? This is food yoga, yeah. Food yoga really is the philosophy behind Food for Life. That's the way I'm positioning it. Uh, because yoga means to unite. And so when we talk about food yoga, we're talking about using food as a way to unite mind, body, spirit, and using food as a way to unite with our, with our energetic source, with God, however you understand God to be. Oh, that's so lovely. You know, I'm working on my 12th book. I can't believe it's 12. It's wow. called The Good Karma Diet. And I would love awesome. to talk with you um, about some of these things and see if I could get a glorious quotation. That would just be such a, such a blessing, such a gift. So what are your plans? What's, um, what's ahead? Well, we, we, you know, plans are to continue expanding Food for Life, which is now serving three million meals a day, which is extraordinary. Um, in fact, we serve more meals now than the United Nations World Food Program. Um, the United Nations World Food Program does about 90 million meals a year, prepared meals. They also, of course, distribute large, um, large containers of rice and flour and so on around the world. But in terms of prepared meals, our organisation does more than any other organisation in the world, and we do up to 3 million meals a day, which is about 35 meals a second. So we want to expand that. We want to, you know, obviously reach... Uh, out to everyone. We don't want anyone to be hungry. And in a world today where there's so much food, there's no real excuse for for being hungry. There's no. It just should not happen. Uh, the problem, and the problem is, it's it's not it's not something you can throw money at. It's really a philosophical uh, problem. People are misunderstanding that we're all really part of the same family, and we need to learn to share. So you've said a couple of times in a world where there's so much food, and yet what I learned reading Francis Moore Lepay so long ago, and my understanding is that that hasn't changed, is that the way we eat in the Western nations, and I know some other countries are, are starting to want to eat this way as well with a lot of, of meat, that it keeps a lot of food from being available. Is that really an issue or not? Well, it is. Um, the, the Earth right now, according to most experts, can produce twice as much food as, you know, I mean, we can feed twice as many people as, as we have on the, on the Earth right now. Um, however, that's not even taking into account that with the expansion of factory farming and the devastation that that, that industry has created to the waterways and the deforestation and so on, um, how much more food could be developed if we dedicated all of that land to growing fruits and vegetables and, and, and grains and so on, rather than feeding uh, animals, which will then be slaughtered for, you know, for, for meat. It's a very inefficient system, as, you, as you're well aware. So, you know, there's plenty of food. And the World, the World Food Program, the United Nations has acknowledged this. They've actually said many times that there's plenty of food, but the problem is a lack of um, distribution or inequitable distribution, I should say, not equally distributed. And so what we're trying to do at Food for Life Global is to, in a very practical way, to teach people that really the solution is not money, the solution is not even distributing more food. The solution is understanding that we're all part of one spiritual family. We're all part of one human family. Even if you don't believe in God, we're all part of one human family. So let's share the resources. And if we did, there would not be any hunger. Mm. And the way to, the best way that we feel, the best way to illustrate, to teach that principle of equality, of unity, is by sharing food. Because it's the most universally accepted, beautiful, honourable thing you can do to someone is is to give them some beautiful food. Mm, That's so lovely. So you do these three million meals a day. What's in them? Oh, they're all um, well. They're all plant-based. Uh, the majority of them are vegan. Like ninety percent are vegan. There are some programs in India where they'll use some um, 
some yoga because of the government government uh, is sponsoring half of the um half of the uh the the project uh, it's very expensive to feed so many children in india and uh but they're all plant based they're all freshly prepared in the morning and served at lunchtime to children around the world children and adults around the world so it would be a combination of beans rice vegetable curries sometimes breads in fact in india we have these very sophisticated kitchens um some of them can serve 65000 meals alone a day very small kitchens maybe 1200 square feet and um they even have chapati making machines i don't know if you if you were of what a chapati is but it's an indian pocket bread and those machines can produce 40000 chapatis an hour so we have these very high tech sophisticated kitchens to produce this very beautifully high highly nutritious uh very clean foods that are then put in stainless steel containers and then delivered by trucks to schools around india um so they are very nutritious they're very healthy and freshly cooked that morning that is so interesting i was just writing in my new book about an experience in nepal where we kept driving through these villages and the guide would say no food for westerners ma'am no food for westerners <laughs> and i thought he meant that the conditions were unsanitary and finally when i was really hungry i said what what's the problem and he said only rice and dal ma'am only rice and, and i said <laughs> that's what we eat so do you think that americans and and westerners have gotten a little bit silly about this you know i don't eat this and i only eat that and that's refined and that's not brown and make it perfect well as a, as a, and actually michael pollan points uh, touches on this he says that um over the last few decades the mothers of this world have sold out to corporations they've allowed corporations to take control of the dinner table and they've given up their role as the as the caregivers as the, you know the nurturers of the family to provide the meals that their family needs and they're given way to this you know this corporations who obviously are self self-serving and um all of this information all of this overloaded um you know information about nutrition and vitamins and minerals and all these things and they've given they've forgotten that they have natural motherly intuition which usually is better than um all the scientific research that you can present it's very interesting whenever there's talk about the obesity epidemic and they look at 1977 as this magical year when all of a sudden america got fat and one thing that is often listed is this was the critical mass when more women went out to work which is certainly wonderful i've been a working mm-hmm. woman all my life and yet when there? when there was nobody there to make the food we, yeah. we saw we saw this difference we saw this this shift well paul your your book is glorious your website is paulrodneyturner.com now how about uh, for food for life if somebody is interested well, food for in that, yeah you can foodforlife.org or ffl.org for the charity ffl.org uh and for food yoga it's foodyogi.org Oh, food yogi, that's you. Yeah, food yogi. I'm the food yogi. Well, that's cool. And you don't really like, get to call yourself a yogi because you were a celibate monk for 14 yes, years. I feel like I have right to that claim to be the food yogi because I was a monk and I directed the world's I direct the world's largest vegan food relief. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. Pretty darn cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for all your good work in the world. I know you're Skyping in today from Colombia in glorious South America. Enjoy your time there and God you. bless your work. Thank you very much. I- Take good care. And everybody else, stay with us. We've got one more wonderful segment of Main Street Vegan. What else is there to learn? Hmm, stay with us. Michaels, host of The Prosperous Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, 
Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. And it is my distinct pleasure to introduce you to our second Australian guest for the day. <laughs> this is Lee Chantel. Lee Chantel is the force behind Viva La Vegan. Probably a great deal of the reason why our last guest was just saying that veganism has grown 700% in Australia in the last year. We're not positive about that figure, but he just <laughs> believe he heard it somewhere. Lee Chantel is a naturopathic physician, and her Viva La Vegan recipe calendars started there in 2005 and have grown to be an international interactive multimedia community for vegans focusing on positive education information and vegan outreach she's been focusing since 2006 on educating people about ethical lifestyle choices proving that through compassion we can heal ourselves and each other gosh that was just what our <laughs> previous guest was saying do you think we're on to something Lee Chantel's slogan is promoting healing through compassionate lifestyle choices. And who would argue with that? Welcome, Lee Chantel. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, everyone. It's a great pleasure to be speaking with you. I know that you're there in Brisbane, and we mm -hmm. just finished a uh, Main Street Vegan Academy course last week, and uh, we had a lovely, lovely young trainer, Emma, from, uh, from Brisbane. So hopefully you guys can connect one of these days, and you can maybe, you know, toast a green juice to me. <laughs> so your, your podcasts are, are just epic. So Thank you. <laughs> I mean, when did you start podcasting? I think you had to be in on the initial wave of that. Oh, I can't remember, actually. I started, uh, a f it was a few years ago, but I didn't really commit to it. I've really committed to it this year. So I'm trying to do at least one or two podcasts a month, um, planning on one, one a week at least. So oh, it, it just depends. It depends how I go with that. But um, I had a bit of a break for a while because I've been traveling the past two to five years on and off. And um, it was just a bit hard to do when I'm in various places in Southeast Asia. And um, now I'm a bit more focused on it. So it's really good. Yeah. And what I see is that you have a combination of, of interviews. I saw that you had interviewed a good friend of mine from here in New York, uh, Derek Goodwin, the photographer. 
Yeah, so he's lovely. We, we are a small vegan world. Uh, <laughs> and then some of your other podcasts are just you talking from your naturopathic and experiential perspective about some issues. So I want to just jump into some of those because one was especially provocative. You called it, what's wrong with organic? Mm-hmm. Well, what could possibly one might say be wrong with organic? <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> Um, I think, yeah, maybe that was quite provocative, I guess. I try not to be provocative, but, um, yes, I guess in, in comparison to organic as a whole, um, it, this is more focusing on what's wrong with organic stuff that, you know, how people go, oh yeah, but I'm having organic grass fed beef or, I have um, free-range eggs that are organic, they're organic chickens or things like that. So it was more from that perspective that, yeah, that, that sounds really great and it can be really great for a lot of other foods, but um, veganism is um, hopefully the goal for a lot of people. Well, I think that some of, of the free-range kind of food, even the produce, it's a lovely idea on the, the vegetable part. And I suppose for somebody transitioning, it, it's even better, you know, certainly than eating factory farm meat. My husband and I went to the farmer's market here in New York City, the big Union Square farmer's market on Saturday. We took our dog who loved it. And my husband doesn't pay much attention to prices. He just sort of shows up. And so mm-hmm. he put six tomatoes in a bag and handed it to the farmer who said that will be 2350 <gasps> and William just paid it and I'm thinking oh I was going to buy a red pepper I think I'll pass <laughs> and you know a lot of people that, that's just it's beyond the beyond and I think certainly yeah. with animal products you know people say oh well I eat this good stuff even if it were that much better most people can't afford it so what good does it do Exactly. And that's one of the things I really, really try hard to promote with veganism and just my lifestyle in general is that it needs to be affordable because not everyone can afford to go to Whole Foods. Not everyone can afford to go to their local health food store at all their organic sort of markets and buy $20 worth of, of tomatoes like that. Some people can't even afford 20, have a spare $20 each week. So um, we just have to make it affordable and you know your your um organic prices are actually quite good in comparison to ours like that twenty dollars for those tomatoes sounds like australian prices for organic (laughs) really well i i have heard that because of government subsidies that a lot of of food in the u.s is cheaper than other parts of the world particularly animal food so so people are are laboring under this misconception that this is the cheap food when when it isn't. Taco Bell makes it look that way. Okay, yes. Yeah, definitely all the fast food places do. So how's fast food in Australia? Do you have much of it? Uh, yes, um, we have quite a lot of it. Um, all the major ones are over here. You've got a few more than we do, but um, we try to keep up with America as much as possible in the fast food <laughs> ways. <laughs> and it's very hard to go when um, I was in Southeast Asia, in Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam. Um, it's very hard when you get off the plane going to experience a different culture and meet new people and you see McDonald's signs, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks. Like I, that really breaks my heart when I see that in developing nations and um, it's, I think it's really horrible. <laughs> I think there needs to be a word for that. We know that there's that awful word genocide when a group of people are being annihilated, but when somebody's food culture is being annihilated. We need a word for that. Let's, uh, let's think yeah. about that. <laughs> I think it's just lack of respect for yeah. other cultures, to be honest, and thinking, I guess it's like, like any time when Western people go anywhere and they expect that their way is the way that everyone else should adhere to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that, that we have um, exported tobacco 
around the world and and now most people here are knowing that they shouldn't be smoking but we're exporting the fast food and the majority of people everywhere are are eating it but things are changing they're changing in the US they're changing in Australia we know this for sure so i wanted to ask you about being a a doctor of naturopathy I was speaking with a gentleman from the Midwest of the United States a couple of weeks ago, and he said the problem that we run into in in his part of the world is people will be vegan and they'll be committed and they'll be doing fine, and then they'll go to a naturopath and they'll be told, no, you have the kind of body that needs to eat meat. So Mm. tell us about your education and your understanding of all that. Well, definitely. Like, um, I finished my um, advanced diploma in um, naturopathy, nutrition, and Western herbal medicine in 2005. And that's what actually started me to create my recipe calendars, which then led to vivalavegan.net. And I was the only vegan at my college. And, um, you know, I was when lecturers would talk about something in particular in our nutrition classes, they'd say, oh, yeah, B12, like LC needs to watch about that or, you know, LC this or something like that. I'd always be standing there and people would say something about it and I'd be like, hey, I'm really healthy. Don't <laughs> don't try and pin those things on me. And I was the only person at my college that actually studied to learn about health because I was interested in it. Every single other person who was there was there because they were sick. They'd had cancer, they'd had this, they'd had family problems. So I just I just think it was it's just very um skewed to to not be conductive to vegan or vegetarian people. And you know, keep in mind people are just sprouting the same stuff that they have been for 20 years like you know you need to do the protein the vegetable protein combining still um just everything that you know i've been vegan for over 17 years so the stuff that i heard over 17 years ago i'm still hearing that and in particular from areas that you would think would do a bit more education or would look outside the square to find out you know the up-to-date sort of things so I find it a bit hard sometimes, um, but I feel, um, you know, and you also, when I when I went, we had to do practical sides as well. So when people came in, you know, it would be, oh, make sure you get people to have fish oil or make sure you do this or make sure you do that. So it's just, you know, there's still a hell of a lot of work to do. Mm, it is for sure. And, and don't you find that some of this nutritional and supplemental stuff, it seems to be like fashion. It, it kind of comes into favor and falls out of favor. So fish oil was very big. You're talking around 2005, still big in some circles, losing a little bit of prominence. I remember when vitamin E was the big thing. Well, nobody takes vitamin E anymore. Mm, that's true. So we we don't want to entrust our health to some kind of fad. Well, that's right. And, you know, I I don't practice. Like I qualified, but I, I don't practice anymore because I just don't believe most people take enough responsibility for their health. And I don't agree with um, just uh, one of my lecturers called it the fertilizer approach with supplements or herbs, like just taking everything under the sun in the hope that one thing will actually work for you. I don't believe you should take supplements unless you're deficient in something. And that's really hard. If you're not popping, um, or selling or pushing supplements, that's where you can make a hell of a lot of your income. Oh, that's so true. And, and how well put, because I talked to some people who are just, no, never any supplements, with the exception of B12. People who work with vegans do understand that vegans need B12. And now over here, um, the Academy of Medicine is saying everybody over 50 needs to take B12 because it's just Mm -hmm. hard to get out of the animal foods. But other than that, some people are like, no, no, never, never let a bottle of vitamins darken your door. And other people, I don't know how they get to work because they're taking, (laughs) it seems like, hundreds of pills every day. There has to be a rational middle point. And there's a lot of people just getting by on just, you know, stimulants, I find. And and do you think some of these supplements count as stimulants? Um. 
Oh, no, not necessarily. I mean like more people, you know, um, that are consuming coffee every day just to wake up or um, energy drinks or sugar and things like that. Absolutely. And I'm really fascinated by the sizes. I don't know what you have in Australia, but I noticed <laughs> <Not like> that. <laughs> are, are they this, is, are, like if you go to a Starbucks in Australia, are they the giant sizes like in America? Uh, I honestly would never go to somewhere like that. I'm just completely against massive corporations and places like that, so I don't go into those places. Oh, but that's, go ahead. I have our sizes and nothing in comparison to yours. I remember the first time I came to America, maybe I think it was 2010 as an adult, and um, I was just like, wow, these sizes are massive. Like your main meal sizes we call an entree is a starter for us. So that was a bit of a um, weird thing for me. I remember I went out to dinner one time with some friends in LA and I'm like, I'm not too hungry. I'll just have two entrees. <laughs> and they're like, um, what do you mean? And then I looked at the menu and I'm like, Are your entree, what does your entree mean? <laughs> but yeah, your, your entrees or your main meals um, are massive as in I could have half of that for leftovers for lunch the next day and your cup sizes are massive as well like I think they're the gallons are they your big ones oh that I, I think in gas stations and those kind of places mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's a gallon maybe I think there's a 40 ounce okay yeah I- I, so, I, our, our, our engineer is nodding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm talking with Lee Chantel. Her website is vivalavegan.net. You've got to go to this website. Oh, my goodness. It is full. It, it is full of amazing podcasts, video casts, uh, a forum, recipes, detox. I mean, it's, it's just, it's really, really a great, great website. Now, one of, of your podcasts not long ago, was how can you disagree with someone without arguing? How can you? Um, well, you know, I think the question or the answers within the question, you know, don't argue with people. <laughs> you can disagree. Um, I think over the years, like when I first became vegan, I was very aggressive, I guess you could say. I just thought, look, you know, I found out this information and it made me become vegan. So all I have to do is tell people the reason why I became vegan and they'll be vegan. <laughs> but um, we all soon realise um, pretty harshly that it's not that easy. <laughs> well, so I think, you know, for me it's just more a leading by example thing nowadays. But I think, you know, especially now with, online interaction is just becoming more, you know, prevalent than actual interaction one-on-one with people in real life. Um, Some people are just really horrible to each other. And, you know, just because I have travelled and met people that I've met on MySpace, Facebook, Google+, Twitter and YouTube um, over the other side of the world, a lot of people don't do that and a lot of people will remain anonymous and will never meet someone that they say horrible things to online. And, you know, there's a lot of name-calling. It's very hard in the movement because there's so many reasons to be angry and upset at people and I think we just really have to rise above that and just speak. I try to speak from love and compassion and peace and just promote those things and I just have to sometimes, you know, if someone, um, you know, really sort of makes me question things, I just have to, you know, work out why why is that upsetting me or just give it, you know, a, a night to sleep on or write something down in an email or on a piece of paper and just throw it away. And so you need to so express how you're feeling, but maybe not on a public or um, anonymous sort of forum. Wow, you're so right. One of my favorite quotations is from Bill W., who founded Alcoholics Anonymous, and he said, nothing pays as handsomely as restraint of tongue and pen. And I think we can certainly add to that a finger on the send button. So very quickly, since we're talking about social media, how can we best use social media to promote veganism? Um, I think it's... um 
I think promoting the positive is always the best way. And that's from a marketing perspective, just in general. Um, if you want people to follow you or to, you know, learn something about it, you know, it's best to say, oh, vegans are great, we eat this food instead of don't eat this sort of food because rah, rah, rah. Um, it's, I think it's leading by example, showing compassion, just explaining or showing your lifestyle and that it's really easy. I do um, a series of interviews with um, vegan athletes and fitness fanatics and exercise enthusiasts from all over the world working on a book at the moment with that. And um, you would not believe the amount of people that still get asked where people where we get our protein or people that just have no idea whatsoever that you actually can eat things that don't come from animals. So I think just the education and the constant education of positive things instead of getting involved in drama and um, disagreeing or just you know, getting involved in arguments for the sake of getting involved in an argument or just because you're upset and you want to take it out on someone, you know, it's just, just focus on why we're doing it. That is great wisdom for social media and for life in general. Lee Chantel, you are absolutely delightful. The website is <laughs> vivalavegan.net. If you get really tired of winter there in Australia, come visit me in New York. I'd love, I'd to, love to go out to our wonderful restaurants and get better acquainted. So yes. bless you and all your work. Thank you so much for what you're doing for the world. Thanks to Jeff and Unity Online Radio for hosting us for this hour. And everybody listening, thank you for spending this time with us. God bless you bunches and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Do you think you know all you want to know about the characters in the Bible? Do you know who could be called the king who loved too much? Or what it means to be a Jezebel? Or that the best love story in the Bible begins with the declared commitment of two women? The Bible's symbolic meaning can help you transform your life and discover the presence and power of God within you. Find out what these characters can teach you about your own life today by tuning into Biblical Power for Your Life. Each week, co-hosts Reverends Karen Tudor and E.J. Niles present a Bible character from a historical, cultural, psychological, and symbolic perspective. Your comments and questions are part of this lively discussion. Tune in every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and power up your life only at Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. may happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. know that God is the source of our prosperity, but how do we manifest it in our lives? We simply change our limiting patterns around money, relationships, and health. Then, naturally, our vitality goes up, and so does our cash flow. We start to live with purpose, sharing our unique ability. Join us on Prosperity Power Hour every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Time to claim your divine inheritance. Prosperity for all, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.